This is the Innovation Engine Podcast from Three Pillar Global, your home for conversations with industry leaders on all things digital transformation and innovation. All right, welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. I'm Scott Varho, Chief Evangelist for Three Pillar, your host, and I'm pleased to be speaking today with Ron Reed. Ron is the founder and executive producer of South by Southwest EDU, an annual event that fosters innovation and learning within the education industry. The 2023 installment will take place from March 6th through 9th in Austin, Texas. We're excited to hear more about the evolution of the event, where innovation is alive and well in the education space, and uh, what to what to expect coming out of March. So, Ron, thank you so much for being with me. I'm 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 actually a little bit starstruck and excited to have you. Um, uh, you're, for, too, you're too kind, Scott. It's, it's great to be on, and I'm a fan of the Innovation Engine. I've been looking forward to the conversation a lot, so uh, it's good to be with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, as, as we were talking about a little bit before we uh, got started here, uh, you know, I, have a, I have a long history in, in education technology, uh, mostly trying to figure it out, um, and so we, uh, we have a lot of uh, connections in common, so I'm excited about the conversation. So let's, let's just dive right in um, and and give our listeners an idea of what South by Southwest EDU is. Uh, what's its mission, purpose? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an event that I've heard about many times, but uh, in terms of trying to understand its place in the, in the world, how do, how do you explain that? Uh, well, again, uh, excited to be here and share a little bit with you. Um, South by Southwest EDU, I, I'm, I'm super proud of. We launched the event about uh, 13 years ago uh, in 2011 was our first year. Most folks are super familiar with South by Southwest, uh, either from the big tech conference that we host, uh, the music festival that are our roots. Uh, we also host one of the largest independent film festivals in the country at South by Film. And so you know, I, I'd, I'd been watching a long time Austinite, um, had spent a career in, in publishing, as we'll likely yak about it as we proceed uh, through the conversation as well. But I'd been really taken with South by Southwest and how they built community. And if I, if I think about their music audience for a moment, which was sort of the inception of the organization, they, they endeavored to put everybody around the table. So they had performers and they had bookers and they had record label execs and they had marketing folks and, uh, you know, A&R types and uh, the rest. And, and I thought it was really fascinating how they sort of leaned into that community, tried to offer everybody a seat at the table. And then, you know, frankly, continued that model as they developed uh, the film festival and the technology conference. As a guy who had spent my whole career in education, I, I was mostly based in the kindergarten through 12th grade, kind of El High uh, sort of sector. And, and there was a real stark end of the conversation at high school that was disconnected completely from what happened in college and beyond. Uh, at that point, uh, again, uh, 2010, 2011, huge silos in education. And so as I looked at South by, I thought, man, if you could put everybody around the table, you could probably generate some more honest conversations and greater impact with it. So that was really the aspiration uh, of South by EDU. Uh, and the last 13 years have been a story about who's not here, how do we get them here, uh, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we broaden the conversation about teaching and learning. So at a high level, we celebrate innovations and learning, everything from technology to strategies to, you know, goals and objectives. Um, I think we I think we reside 
at South by Southwest at this intersection of culture and learning, which after 13 years feels like it's the right location for South by Southwest EDU. So I'm super proud of uh, the event and the community. Probably, probably helpful to just describe for you a little, Scott, the, the audience that we gather. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, it, you could uh, close your eyes and imagine all the folks you've in, in, uh, dealt with through your own education career. So teachers and administrators, uh, big businesses and small that support the sector uh, from startups to legacy organizations, um, K-12 and higher ed communities. We've been really taken to see the growth in nonprofits and foundations who have found a platform to talk about what they're doing to sort of uh, innovate uh, in the sector. Um, so I, I feel like we've built a very unique community that uh, all have a shared goal and objective of improving teaching and learning, but maybe have different strategies and approaches to how they do so. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. I studied uh, um, economics for my master's degree, which makes no sense at all. But um, <laughs> but one of the things that I learned about was uh, economies of scale. And it kind of feels like the, the South by Southwest concept is to create a an episodic uh, economy of scale by having all the all the different players in one place, you can really break down some silos and have some real conversations about, you know, how to move the the industry forward. You know, it's it's a really great a uh, great observation, Scott. I mean, convergence is really what South by Southwest is all about. And and initially, maybe in our focus areas of music, tech, um, film, education, those are the four verticals we think of for South by Southwest uh, as an organization. But yeah, very, very much uh, a notion of the the more diverse community, the richer the conversation. How do we how do we host a convergence event and offer everybody voice and and contribution opportunities for that? Yeah. So so taking you back to when the when the first one took place, how did you imagine it turning out this way? Like, what I'm I'm kind of curious. What was your what was your vision? And how have things turned out differently from that? Well, you know, a, a, a little bit, maybe. I, I mean, I, I, I joke and, and tell, I, I co-founded the event with my colleague, Greg Rosenbaum, who uh, is doing a lot of the daily operations and continues to, to be the soul and spirit of South by EDU uh, with me. And, and we have so much, so much fun doing that. Again, I, I think that in 2010, we were taken with the merit of sort of creating a convergence conversation more broadly with that. We, we actually uh, partnered with the Texas Education Agency locally to launch the event. Again, for many years, I'd been involved in the textbook industry and curriculum development and so forth. Um, the Texas Education Agency was launching an e-learning portal for half a, half a million teachers in the state. And it was sort of a convenient excuse to say it's the type of innovation we'd really like to highlight and, and celebrate. Uh, and so uh, so at that point, you know, we were very much a Texas K-12 event, but had been really dedicated to growing to really an international convergence zone like my colleagues uh, in other sectors with it. So it was with some intention. We sort of looked at a Texas K-12 audience. We thought, well, we, we're South by Southwest. We're really all about startups and innovation. How do we get early stage companies here? How do we invite and welcome business and education, uh, business organizations into this conversation about ed? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we get policy folks involved? And how do we look at sort of the ramifications of policy in the sector? So it was really a, a process of how do we now grow the most diverse community and, and the largest learning festival we're able to do is our, our goal and objective. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's an incredible story. And 
It, it also uh, it seems to reflect a, an insight that I had no idea about until I joined, uh, until I was working for Pearson Education in the K-12 division and helping them with uh, some of their licensing needs and, and found out how much Texas drives multiple states' adoptions in terms of textbooks and curriculums. Um, and I didn't realize how many other Department of Educations in other states look to Texas and, and California in particular as the two states that spend the most you know, time vetting materials and, and so forth. That was, it was, it was mind blowing. It was like, oh, if, if you don't win Texas, you can't sell into like half the country. <laughs> it, was so, it was so fascinating. And, and Scott, I'll, I'll share again, long career in education, publishing, ed tech, curriculum development. Uh, the, the short story is I, I graduated from the University of Texas, liberal arts guy. I, I liked writing and editing, uh, and and I, I learned about a guy who they were having interviews on campus. He sold textbooks. He he called on college campuses. He had an expense account and a company car. And for a guy like me, wasn't quite ready for the real world. It sounded like heaven. Um, and then one thing led to another. So I sent a bunch of resumes out and uh, and starting a, a conversation to see what the the future might look like. And, and I learned about the richness of the K through 12 market in Texas, mm-hmm. particularly textbooks. They spend several billion dollars every couple of years on this. And so to your point, it has an undue influence or maybe not an undue influence because of the, sink, the size and strength of their market. But mm-hmm. I, I found myself really at the, uh, at, at the crossroads of, of a lot of really fascinating uh, uh, business in terms of education, curriculum, uh, et cetera. I'll, I'll share with you, Scott, one of my claim to fame that I'm, I'm still fond of and proud of today was I worked really hard to change the definition of a textbook so that technology tools could compete for those textbook dollars. That was back in the 1990s, and I was peddling a laser video disc for optical data. Um, and But we were ultimately successful kind of opening up textbook funds to be, to be spent on technology. We mm-hmm. had a, a nice uh, win there in an elementary science adoption and, and really caught the attention of traditional publishers wondering what this technology thing was all about. So it was really at that moment that, that South by EDU was sort of coming into place. It felt like there was an opportunity for convergence. There was a, a real desire and, and drive for innovation and new thinking. Um, and, and South by was just like the perfect brand, to your point, of convergence to put all that together. Well, and again, got to borrow some of that cool factor from, you know, starting from the music scene, which had had such a cachet, um, but also for innovation, for new, you know, you can just, uh, you can just imagine the, um, I don't know, the the cultural influence that that had on, on it as well. So you've got Austin, which is such an important hub for education in the direction that that K-12 education is going across the country. Um, you've got the South by and the the uh, the cultural movement of of the music scene there, and yeah, it's a pretty interesting marriage. Um, sort of a, a stroke of stroke of brilliance. <laughs> well, then, it, I, well, you're, you're very very kind and generous. I'll, I'll share with you a, a, another you know sort, of, and I'll I'll do so succinctly. Another chapter on this is while I was running around doing startups and curriculum development and so forth and so on in uh, in publishing and education. My best friend is the guy that started South by Music. So best man at my wedding and vice versa. Roland and I are the godfather to each uh, each of our oldest children and, and so forth. And so it's like, man, you're having a lot of fun doing this. And I kind of see a need and an application uh, beyond music, film and tech and education. So it's been a lot of fun on a number of levels. As I shared with you pre-call, we 
we have more fun than the law usually permits hosting. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do love that line. I want to steal that. <laughs> You're welcome. To. <laughs> um, but you know that it's interesting to think about that because we, you know, so our founder wrote a book on on the product mindset um, and and some of the principles of, a, of the product mindset are solve for need, uh, excel at change, and um, minimize time to value. So, but the the solve for need here is interesting to see. But there's solve for need plus a little bit of serendipity, and I always find those stories really interesting, right? Like if you had not known, you know, your, your best friend like, and had that personal connection to South by Southwest, do you wind up linking that way? How does that change the event if you had not been under the South by Southwest umbrella? Just kind of interesting to think about. I always find that these, I mean, your event is, is a product of sorts. And so that's just kind of interesting to reflect on. Yeah, I, I agreed. You know, and, and I, I think that that uh, again, sort of the, the 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 product differentiation was really trying to put everybody a, around the table is is one observation to that. Again, a, a number of organizations that host gatherings in Ed or membership organizations, and they do great work, but but they are focused as opposed to broad based uh, the way South by is uh, and, and Edu in particular. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So on that note, and kind of switching to another principle of the of the product mindset is is excelling at change. And I think you've already given us a couple of hints on how this has evolved. Um, but but what does it look like when you're making a decision to make an alteration to the event itself? Well, a couple of things. You know, maybe at a high level, I, I, I think Greg and I both come to this with a, a lot of energy and appetite for growth. Um, you know, we consider ourselves entrepreneurs and. My observation is, you know, again, really proud of how South by EDU has grown. We had just under 8,000 registrants last March, as an example. The, the day after South by EDU wraps up, we'll have 50 or 60,000 registrants for South by Southwest Music Film and Conference. And so as an entrepreneur, I kind of feel like we should throw gasoline on this fire. Like I've got an organization whose proficiencies can help support that growth. And given sort of just my my passion for teaching and learning and having spent a career there, I'm, I'm, I don't know why an education community shouldn't be larger than a tech or a music or entertainment or film. It t- education touches us all. And so, so first of all, I think we kind of approach it with this notion that we have an aspiration and believe we have the organizational chops and proficiency to be the world's largest learning festival. How do how do we do that? Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so I, I think you know, again, lots of enthusiasm in the early years. We were on a, a very rapid growth. We expected a few hundred registrants year one. I think we had eight hundred. Uh, year two, we had two thousand registrants. Year three, I, I think we were somewhere between three and four thousand. So there was a really steep steep trajectory uh, of growth with that. And so. It, it, as I alluded to earlier, the, uh, initially there was a lot of conversation about who's not here. How do we get them here? How do we engage them? How do we how do we enrich and broaden this conversation? Because we feel like that's what our our special sauce uh, is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think today, I, you know, I, maybe maybe the pandemic has has contributed to some reflection about this as well. Like I used to love is the compliment that uh, there's so much going on. We don't know what to attend. There are too many sessions to select from. And it was sort of like, yeah, a cornucopia of goodness is kind of like what I'm about. I, that's a compliment. Um, 
And, and I, I think coming through the pandemic, we've reflected a little bit about that. And, and certainly we love that we are a conference and a festival and we have sessions and we have performances and we have competitions and an expo and we create a real rich experience for our community. But, but I think we're trying to approach it through a, a lens of more intentionality, uh, kind of greater uh, um, uh, cohesion uh, between that and, and trying, to, trying to support our community with the experience they arrive at the event and seek. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I think we were throwing up lots of uh, structures and programming options and focus areas. And I, I, the last few years have given a really talented team and I an opportunity to think a little more intentionally about to what end are we doing this? How can we better help and support our community? More is not always better uh, with this. And, and so that's been a reflection, I think, not only for South by EDU, but again, for those 50, 60,000 registrants that show up and take over the city of Austin for music, mm-hmm. film, and conference as well. So, so thinking about that, I mean, so that, that's really interesting. And, and in a very different context, I've been thinking about some of these similar things, like once you can overwhelm humans, we know from studying psychology, they can be very overwhelmed by choice. Um, and it can actually be paralyzing. Um, and so sometimes they need that kind of curated path through the, the noise so they can get to their signal. Um, is that sort of the, the kind of thinking that you're, you're doing? Yes, yes and no. I, I mean, I, I think so. Certainly more intentional. I, I think maybe where I wind up is, do we really need 500, 600 sessions? Can we accomplish that with 300 or 400 sessions? Can we, again, sort of help focus this a little bit? Our, mm-hmm. our, uh, our, our first or second year of the event, as we were growing rapidly, we were at multiple venues, which sort of diffused the energy, which worked against the, uh, uh, the goals that we were striving for for the event, which is really just a kind of empower a key and important community that we we value and want to love on the same way we do rock and rollers or new media inventors or, or the rest mm-hmm. um, at, at South by and so so I, I think it is just being a little more reflective and a, a lot more attentive to the community's input as to the conversations they are wanting and needing to have. Mm. And, and I think it is also shifted a, a little bit, uh, it, at least in my thinking, Scott, the, I, I'm, I'm torn with a couple, a couple different metaphors uh, in, in my mind with us. Uh, one, one is we have a great four days in Austin, but we look for something more enduring than four days uh, of interactivity in Austin. We look for like impact to, 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 to return to the communities that have joined us and, and help make a difference uh, in that. And so I, I think I've begun to think about it a little bit differently. It's almost like four days in March is a little bit of a snapshot, but there is a a year of engagement, a documentary of these conversations that is more compelling to me uh, in some ways. And so I think Mm. we're thinking a lot about how do we support our community, not only during March, but throughout the year uh, at at South by and and the rest of the org is reflecting on as well. Yeah. Well, and and I'm sure you've um, already realized that there's a number of events companies are trying to think about that same, that same, theme, right? Like, how do we make... That has always been true. However, how do we make it a more intentional part of the experience? You get the four days, but you also get connections to the right... To the, these kinds of people and these kinds of conversations throughout the year. Um, you know, the the event in March should be... A, it's a moment. It's an accelerator to what is taking place 361 days a year. Um, 
Very, very, very much so. And, it, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to, again, convene a community we have such high regard for and, and celebrate them as sort of the kind of social, you know, rock stars that it's too often are, are, are unheralded and unseen and unsupported. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think if, if I reflect about one of the, the things coming out of the pandemic has, has helped a little bit drive an appreciation for the challenge our educators have, be it in, in, in K through 12 or in higher ed. I mean, these are demanding uh, uh, environments and, and objectives. Uh, and so I, I think that, again, uh, we highlighted maybe earlier in our talk, uh, South by EDU is a fun place for educators. It's a cool place for educators and they need fun, cool places. And so we're happy to happy to be standing up one of them. <laughs> Well, and especially because so many of those educators are doing micro innovation in their classrooms. And, and you know, I taught just long enough to realize that one, I, I'm not very good at it. Two, I have a ton of respect for it. And three, um, I'd love to love to be better at it. And I'd love to finish my career doing it. I really have a, a thrill for that aha moment that when you see that in your, in your students, it's fantastic. But, um, but I realized how much of the teaching experience is, is pretty lonely. Um, and you, you are in a position where you have to do a lot of innovating what's gonna what's gonna engage your your class um sometimes you're pivoting on the spot sometimes you've got things that have been are tried and tried and true and you can go back to but um i've been really impressed by just educators and what they what they're able to do in a classroom setting with with all the things they have to accomplish um in a in a school year it's pretty pretty yeah i I mean we 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 I think a lot about teachers as artists, and and they are also mm-hmm. scientists and uh, and and psychologists uh, and, uh, as well. But I, I think again, coming through the pandemic, great teaching is great teaching, uh, both virtually and online. There is an empathy, there is a connection to learners that um, it is is just really a sight to behold. We know it when we experience it. We want to encourage others to 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 have that same opportunity and to support that. Um, so again, it's a real pleasure for us to to love on educators the way we do so many other other sectors itself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, and then thinking about the the cold side of this, the technology side. So technology has been was a big reason. I think uh, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the 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 rise of, of education technology and technology in education is part of the reason why you started uh, Southwest West. Um, edu and and so talk a little bit about that. How you've seen technology evolve in the sector. Yeah, you know, it's it's been, uh, I, again, I consider myself an ed tech guy. Uh, I've enjoyed a couple startups and flips. I mentioned optical data and laser video discs. Uh, I, I, I share that the, the story concludes we had a party that lasted a decade. We cratered the company and we sold it to McGraw-Hill. Um, <laughs> and so I've had some hard knocks and, and learnings uh, along the way. Um but I, I think a couple of things. One, I, I think the role of the teacher remains critical. Technology is a tool. And I think that's maybe one of the shifts that's occurred over the time was there was this sort of blind attention to uh, the power of, of technology and its efficacy and efficiency, all of, all of which are important attributes to, to leverage. But I still think teaching is a highly interpersonal uh, pursuit that technology can aid and abed. But uh, but that that critical relationship remains really, really key for us. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been taken to see the, uh, the the growth of ed tech. I mean, even during the pandemic, I think we were seeing that, you know, there were billions being invested uh, from venture firms in the sector. 
Um, I've always been taken that even with all the energy to drive change, how challenging it is to do effectively and to have change endure with that. So, so 20 years ago, when we changed the definition of a textbook to include technology, I thought, son of a gun, you know, here we are off to the races with cool stuff. And it's, you know, 20 years later, we're still making incremental steps uh, with that. Um, but I, I think, you know, you allude to it as well, the innovation of individual practitioners and teachers in the classroom. And I, I think that's the the theme that I reflect on most after 10 plus years of, of South by DU and, and longer in the in the field is there there had been sort of this attention and, and focus on the institution and on the measures, on the standardization, the assessments, et cetera. And, and I think in the last 10, 12 years, that conversation has really shifted away from sort of the institutional framing uh, of the conversation to really one about the, the individual or the learner uh, mm-hmm. in that respect. And so, you know, I, what I get most excited about, I, I think, is it relates to ed tech or, or leveraging it for those proficiencies that tech provides in terms of managing multiple tasks and tracking, you know, mastery of them. And so, Early on in our run at South by EDU, there was a lot of work going on, the Gates Foundation and others, with personalized adaptive learning. And I, I, when we talk about the magic that teachers do in their classroom, it, I think it often is that. It is that connecting with folks one-on-one that technology can help facilitate and support that is, I think, an exciting time for ed tech. It'd be my hope, anyone. Yeah, yeah. No, I the, the whole flipped classroom concept and the idea that um, technology can can help uh, different learners with different learning styles connect with material in different ways and and get targeted help where they need it. Um, has you know, I, I'm as a technologist, I'm I'm totally enamored with that. And yet, I know as a teacher that connection that that's the look on their face that you need sometimes. It's not just going to be in the in the assessment. Um, you know, do they do they really understand the concept or uh, are they still struggling? Still have some doubts, and I need to try to find a different way. Yeah. Uh, to reach them. That's a, you know, and then obviously as a, as a parent, I'm watching my own children um, as they <laughs> navigate learning uh, in school, out of school, and otherwise. Hmm, very interesting. So the upcoming uh, South by Southwest EDU in March, is there something, uh, some things that we should be uh, listening out for or are looking for in the, and uh, then you know, before the, before the event launches? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, again, I think there's a real concentration of powerful conversations going on right now about teaching and learning. Um, you know, we're, we're again coming out of the pandemic. If I if I if I structure my world in a moment and thinking about early learning K through 12 and, and post secondary or, or sort of uh, different buckets of, of this, I think that. You know, a couple of things coming out of the pandemic, uh, there's certainly been a large attention to the wellness and health, uh, social and emotional balance, not only, frankly, of our uh, of our learners, not only our young learners, but our our college age uh, students as well. And, and not only our learners, but faculty and, and teachers. So I think, again, the pandemic has highlighted the stress uh, in the system and in the organization in ways that I'm hopeful that South by is providing a platform to really explore and 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 address those. Um, I think you know beyond the sort of social and emotional, there's a great attention and energy to let's you know, I, I, I use the phrase build back better. Like let's not recreate an education system that was fundamentally flawed 
given the reset, given the amount of funding uh, uh, that is available for schools to accelerate learning, let's do things that work. How about? And so a focus on efficacy is something that I'm super excited to see. I, I think for the last several administrations in, in D.C., we've talked about and acknowledged the need for greater R&D and education to know what the heck we're doing. I heard this great analogy, like uh, in the transportation industry, everybody around the world knows that railroad tracks are X far apart and you build trains to go on those. And that's the standard. Of, but there is none of that. That, that sort of alignment for education uh, it, as a state-funded, state-state uh, process uh, to a great degree. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a keen attention mm-hmm. at looking at what moves the needle is going to be super, super important this year at the event. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I just, I just digging into that a little bit, like why this year because of the pandemic or are there other factors that make this year particularly notable from that perspective? I think I, I think there I think the pandemic has certainly contributed to it, and I say that in part just because of all of the ESSER funds that are now available mm-hmm. in the marketplace that are chartered to help accelerate learning. So I think, you know, yeah. off-time innovation is stymied because uh, of funding and access to that, but that's not the circumstance here. So I think that is one of the differences. Mm-hmm. I also think that there is such a broad, systemic-wide reflection of what's working and what's not is a different one than. Our, uh, our, our, our science scores in middle school are down. What are we going to do about that? So I think there's a broader conversation going on. I also think the ed tech industry and supporters, even the Department of Education, are, are doing a lot to help encourage and support customers making smart decisions over their investments uh, in tools and tech, et cetera. Uh, under what circumstances does it work well? Are those the circumstances that, that you're experiencing? And wh- how can you share that experience so you can inform others to make good and prudent decisions about this? Yeah. And so, um, so in any event, I, mm-hmm. I, think there are, I, I do think there are some structurally some different issues today than there may have been back when we were talking about textbooks and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I also kind of think in the in the post secondary world at, at higher ed, I think there's a lot of challenge uh, uh, going on there. A lot of rich conversations uh, this year at South by Edu. I, I think not. Uh, you know, I, I think when we step back and and think, Scott, about the attributes of great education systems, it's the extent to which they meet all of our learners' needs. You know, across that uh, across that uh, spectrum. I think the the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation that really crystallized a lot during the pandemic remains very urgent in education. How do we ensure all all or all of our learners are having good access? How do we ensure our our uh, our, our, our post secondary colleges are indeed supportive of kids of color, which have taken a tremendous hit during the pandemic from a, a, a funding and access standpoint? So I think there are a lot of really central key conversations in this moment as we look at, uh, at at a go forward that is hopefully by design intended to deliver better for learners than it has in the past. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's inspiring and intimidating at the same time. It's quite, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of pressure on the system for sure. Uh, and, I, and I know firsthand a lot of pressure on educators um, um, yeah, it's a it's it's a it's it's challenging. Well, and, and then we're seeing the first closures of universities uh, post pandemic, and you know we've that's long been foretold that there will be, uh, especially some of the 
some of the for-profit um, enrollment-dependent uh, universities are at risk um, in the post post-pandemic uh, or even pre-pandemic. Uh, we were still we were talking about that. So that'll cause a some somewhat of a strategic shift in higher ed and, and how it how it uses its resources uh, to deliver outcomes. Well, I think you know I think one of the things we're seeing a lot in higher ed and, and, and a catchphrase you've probably heard as well is or skills the new degree um, mm-hmm. in some yep. ways like. What are the skills that are necessary for these evolving jobs of the future in, in tech and in other sectors? And to what degree are schools providing that? I think yeah. that the, the student debt, student loan conversation is, again, really helped drive a value proposition as to what I am studying, why, and, and, and with what clarity as to what its outcomes will afford me. Uh, sort yeah. of. Well, I, you know, as having, uh, you know, I, I, Previously to being chief evangelist for Three Pillar, I was running all of product development, engineering, product, UX, etc. Um, and my undergrad is in uh, German studies and European studies. So for all the liberal arts people out there, I, yourself as well, yeah, <laughs> you can have liberal arts is 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 great for preparing you for these uh, these professional careers. But you do wind up then having these skills gaps that you have to fill. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a real challenge, I think, even for students trying to figure out how they want to enter the marketplace. Um, am I looking for a pre-professional degree? Am I trying to learn how to how to analyze, think, and write? Um, and then I'll figure the rest of that stuff out later. Um, it's it's intimidating for them as well um, in a different kind of world they're entering. Yeah, very, very much so. Uh, again, a, a lot of future forward conversations on the program this year as to how education is supporting the learner objectives. Mm-hmm. And again, not e- not only in the in the collegiate context, but even at the high school level as we look at rich arrays of different pathways for dual credit. And, you know, I'm meeting kids in Austin who are graduating with a high school degree and also an associate's degree and are moving into six-figure jobs with with a different path than I ever even imagined or considered for myself. So I I love the the richness that's available for learners now. It's it's great to see the options. Yeah. And um, well, and then, you know, you touched on mental health, which is another topic that is near and dear for me. We've been talking about it more inside our company. Um, and I was really, I was really excited. I mean, we're in, we're in nine different countries, ten now, I think. Um, you know, through acquisitions and, and you know, speaking openly about mental health challenges has become okay. Um, yeah. And it's, it's never an easy conversation, but it's, I, I expected more, especially cult- cross-cultural, multinational, um, less, less comfort with that kind of conversation. But I was, I was pleasantly surprised. We got in some pretty, pretty vulnerable places, and that's with the adults, with the toolkits that they have. Yeah. Um, you know, starting to talk about K-12 and, and, and even in higher ed, um, it's, uh, yeah, the, our educators have a real, real challenge on their hands. Very much so. Yeah. And it, and it seems like Southwest, Southwest EDU is a, is a great place for them to come and, and, uh, discuss some of that and, and hopefully get some, uh, some good insights on, on how to, how to address those going forward. Um, so really... We, we sure we sure hope so. I mean, we endeavor to to uh, you know hold up a lots of best practices to permit a community to connect with one another in a, a job that too often is very uh, very siloed. We, as we were talking earlier, very very lonely at, at times. And so, I, I think best practices to catch a little inspiration and refill the cup a little bit, have some fun uh, with your community, and learn some new things that can make a difference when you return. All, Realize all you have so many you. allies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone. You have a lot of allies. That's correct. Um, well, just just as a, as a way to to close up, we like to do uh, kind of a speed round of questions. Um, oh. Come at you fast and see what see what comes out. Um, 
So if uh, if you're all right, I'm going to jump. Of course. Jump all right. So what's the best South by Southwest EDU talk you've ever heard? Oh man, you know, I'm that, that's that's a real that's a real challenge because we, we've had just some great great voices. So um, I, 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 there there are many people I want to say, but I, I'll, I'll share it a moment. So. Bill Gates came and spoke about ed tech and startups in a way that I, was, was so powerful uh, and, and prominent. Uh, I heard uh, Temple Grandin talk about different ways of looking at the world. And I just love her and her worldview and perspective. Uh, Goldie Hawn was a speaker uh, who I had a crush on most of my life. Uh, <laughs> she was doing mindfulness before SEL was even a thing. Uh, so there, there's a, lots of great voices to pick, but the one I, I think I would pick is uh, uh, a guy by the name of Christopher Emden. Christopher, when he keynoted EDU, he was a professor at uh, Teachers uh, College Columbia. I think he's now at USC. Um, he brought a really powerful talk uh, about, uh, in fact, he had just written a book um, for all the white kid for all the white folks who teach in the hood and everybody else and, <laughs> and he, he brought like this culturally relevant conversation about friends enemies frenemies and how to move the needle in education and as much as i love uh, gates and temple grandin and goldie and a hundred other great speakers chris is the one who continues to rock my world and i think about his remarks often i'm a big mm-hmm. fan of so Chris Emden. I'm definitely going to check that. Christopher Enden? Emden, uh, E-M-D-I-N. Um, okay. And uh, he's also the guy behind uh, hashtag hip hop ed is his thing. Oh, yeah. um, again, you know, just like reality-based pedagogy uh, and keeping it real. So uh, I'm a big fan. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I definitely have to check that out. I'm, I'm a huge uh, Lynn Miranda Manuel fan as well. Uh, and teaching history and with a little bit of hip hop. It's... Uh, so I have I have a feeling that'll be a that'll be a fun read. Enjoy. Um, is there a 2023 talk on the books that you're already excited about? Yeah, indeed, a bunch of them. We're we're actually doing a, a programming announcement shortly. With I think we'll drop the first couple hundred sessions for this year's program, which ultimately will have I don't know 350 or 400 sessions in total. So there's going to be a, a lot of goodness on there. Um, you know. A couple of things maybe come to mind. I, I think we're trying to do some special things. So permit me to to, to be non-disclosing for a moment, but no, International no. Women's Day falls during South by EDU this year. Mm-hmm. And so we're thinking a lot about how to give voice uh, uh, to that very important community and topic, et cetera. And so I, I'm excited for International Women's Day. We uh, have the good fortune of it falling during our dates occasionally, and this is one of those years. So that would be one thing that, uh, again, we're, we're working on and, uh, and looking forward to. I, th- I think the other thing, given some of our conversations, Scott, one of my favorite parts of South by EDU was something we started year two of the event to help invite early stage companies. It's called the Launch Startup Competition. Hmm. This is for early stage ed tech companies. I, 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 we have certain requirements. I, I want to say it's under five or eight million in, in funding that they've received. Um, and so for us, we like to highlight innovation going on in these organizations. First of all, is just pro- programming for our educator audience to understand folks are thinking about the future and hear examples of, of what they are doing about it. 
Uh, we also like driving this conversation between sort of the practitioner audience and the inventor audience to, you know, sort of drive alignment with that. Um, the launch competition is, is something that uh, I think is going to be especially high energy this year, given, uh, again, the pandemic, the investments, uh, uh, all the energy that is out there. Uh, we've had some great winners in the past. Uh, uh, in fact, two co-hosts last year were the, the guys who pitched and launched EDU, oh man, 2013 or something like that, uh, Kahoot and mm. uh, Clever. Uh, oh, clever, both yeah. of which have now merged, and they're a, a dang billion-dollar operation. Are they really? Yeah, oh, I remember when there were four amazing. guys. I remember. Cle- I talked to Clever many years ago. That's really well, it's Tyler really and, and and Dan and all of them again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh so, my god. Yeah, so I, I love the the launch component uh, of the event, yeah. and you know, no no shortage of great voices, talks, parties, socials, and and so forth. But oh, of uh, lots of good stuff. On there. I mean, you've got Austin in the background; you can't <laughs> help it. I mean, <laughs> it's such Very a great backdrop for, for something like this. Wow. Well, you I mean, you've got me really excited. I want to come. Um, last one. Um, keep Austin weird is a well known catchphrase for Austin. Um, so how how does Southwest by South by Southwest EDU contribute to keeping Austin weird? Oh, it's a great it's a great question. It's I, I, I feel like it's easier to answer the other way around. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I, I think I've got one uh, for you in that you know South by Southwest considers Austin the star of the show in a lot of ways, um, and I would say that mm-hmm. if you think about South by Southwest music. You can see South by Southwest in Austin. You can go on uh, the Red River Cultural District or on Sixth Street, any through any one of these live uh, music venue a- arenas and, and such, and you see uh, the influence of South by Southwest uh, music and entertainment and film. When you think about the tech contribution, geez, man, just looking at the at the skyline is pretty much a reflection of of South by and, and Austin and keeping it weird billion-dollar announcements from Apple, Oracle, AMD, Samsung. This city is on fire for a guy that's lived here his whole life. It's just amazing. Mm. Uh, But I I think the way South by EDU contributes to keeping Austin weird is putting a light on the fact that Austin is one of the great cities of learning in America. We've got spectacular public schools, one of the largest, most innovative community college networks in the country, Mm. you know, tier one, public and private, you know, liberal arts schools. Austin is a city that loves learning and and was always, I think, at least initially described as a college town. Um, And uh, and I I think that love of learning continues. and it's why I, I think Austin, in addition to being a live music capital of the world, ought to be the learning capital of the world. So that's the work of South by Eden. <laughs> well, that was, that was a fantastic answer. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, like I said, you've, you've got me really excited. I want to come this year. Um, I've, I've often wanted to. And actually, to be honest, one of my motivations for coming to Three Pillar was to really learn how, how great digital product development is done and apply that to education because I, that, was, that was where I was coming from. Uh, it just felt like there were better ways to do things than uh, than the way a lot of things were being done, um, and and so better, more effectively putting those funds. There's a lot of money in this market. Um, people don't realize how much money we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so directing that money to outcomes that benefit society and learners, and um, so it's, it's a real challenge. 
Well, and Scott, I'm embarrassed as, as we do this podcast to, to f- realize I failed to mention that this will be the second year we're hosting a podcast stage at South by EDU. <laughs> and, and we're hosting, hosting live podcasts, many of which are recorded there. Um, and so, again, trying to have fun, keeping it real and, and bringing it. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you, Ron. This is this has really been wonderful. Uh, great to get some inside the inside scoop on an event that I've been following for years. Uh, so, so, well, listen, so pleasure much. pleasure's been all mine. Please uh, come come see us in March. We'd love for you to. I'll, I'll share with you and uh, and your listeners that uh, our registration rates increase as the event approaches. So visit southbysouthwestedu.com and uh, and feel free to 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 buy a ticket and come join us. We'd love to see you and love to host you. That'd be great. Well, thank you again. Hey, listen, I appreciate it, Scott. I've really enjoyed the conversation. You have a fantastic day. Me too. Thank you. Thank you, sir. This has been an episode of The Innovation Engine, a podcast from 3Pillar Global. 3Pillar is a digital product development and innovation partner that helps companies compete and win in the digital economy. To learn more about 3Pillar Global and how we can help you, visit our website at 3PillarGlobal.com. Lastly, remember to give us a rating and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. If you have any feedback or guest suggestions, send them over to info at threepillarglobal.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.